All right, let's open up our Bibles. We're going to Colossians chapter 2. And if you do not have a Bible with you, worry not. Our ushers have Bibles. They have, they have bookcases full of them. And we would love for you to have one. If you don't own one, you can keep that one. Uh, just throw your hand up and let them know that you need it. If you just need to borrow it, that's fine too. Uh, but uh, that, that would be awesome. We'd love for you to be able to follow along uh, with us through uh, God's Word. Colossians chapter 2 is where we are today. Thank you, Mr. Dice. Take a chance, roll the dice. That's what Emily did, isn't it? <laughs> and then you got a couple of kids. So this, uh, this passage, uh, I mean, honestly, it, it, this whole, and Nathan, we, Nathan and I were even talking about this a couple weeks ago, uh, this whole passage, this whole, well, this whole book is what I was going to say, this whole book is like leaning in on all the other things that are being taught throughout it. So uh, the, the hard part is to not want to go back and just teach everything that we've just taught and all, the, all that. I'm trying to refrain from doing that today. Uh, but I want to I read through this passage, and, and I'll probably you know, make, some, make some reference back to uh, some, of the, some of the passage that we have already studied together. Um, and uh, we'll see, see how it goes. Let's, let's just read through the passage, and we'll go through and talk about it a little bit. How about that? Uh, Colossians chapter 2 and I want to start with verse 6. Our passage today is actually 8 through 12, but I want to start with verse 6 because verse 6 kind of kicks off this whole section. Uh, and by section, I'm not talking even about just what we're studying today, but it actually kind of kicks off. It's kind of like a summary of, of what's to come for the next couple of chapters through the book of Colossians. It's kind of like Paul took a second to breathe and said this, and then now we're on to these things that uh, he deemed very important, and they are. Uh, for us to get. He says this in verse 6, says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the element elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised, and a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ." having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Let's pray together with that. God, we, we pray that you would speak through your word, that you would help us to understand it. Um, God, I, I pray that you would be glorified in it. God, we thank you for uh, this constant reminder of who you are and what you've done for us through Jesus. This morning, as, as we hear even more about that, God, just continue to reveal yourself to us in understanding the sacrifice that you made and your love for us. Thank you so much for your grace. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. So this passage is a passage that leads us to something. Uh, Paul is beginning a section, if you will, of uh, a bit of warnings 
Uh, and, and we see Paul do that throughout Scripture. We see Paul kind of giving different, giving different warnings uh, along the way, and, and this is no different. Uh, Paul's doing that here. Uh, you, see, you see, and we'll talk about some of these things here in a minute, some of the things that he talks about, and he's like, you know, be careful here, watch out for this, you know, that kind of thing. And, and Paul's, Paul's, you know, Paul cares about the church. More, more than that, Paul cares about people knowing Jesus and the gospel going out and that not being hurt in some way. And so, so Paul's interest here is, is that those that hear the gospel would hear it for what it really is and would believe in it, be changed by it, and be used by God for his kingdom. So you see, you see kind of like this, this you know, trajectory of you know, uh, the Christian life, sanctification. That's one of those big words that people throw around in church. A lot of people don't you know, really know what it means. Sanctification is the process of God making us more like him, that we, we are becoming more, understanding more, growing more in him and who he is. It's the, it's the constant, it's the rest of our lives. We, we never, here's one, here's one of those things that I, I realized a long time ago, is, and because I realized it in myself, is I found myself putting people on pedestals as Christians. I'd be like, oh, look at that, look at that guy, look at that pastor, look at that, look at that person. Man, that guy, he's got, you know, he, you know, or that gal, you know, they, they, they just, man, they love the Lord like nobody loves, you know, the man, they're like perfect, you know, they, I bet they never do wrong. I bet they never struggle with their faith. And then I realized as time went on that that's a farce and that we're all sinners and we all need Jesus. We all struggle. We all have our moments. One of the things that I think people struggle to realize in the moment of, and it's kind of on my mind, I've been talking about it for the last few days, in the middle, middle of crisis situations in life, and maybe you're in one of those moments right now, or maybe you've been in one recently or whatever, is to remember that that is a moment. You are in a moment. And those moments in our lives don't define who we are. They're just moments. we got to get through them, you know. I mean, we all, we all have those things in life, right, that we, <coughs> that we know that we, we've got we've to work our way through those things or what have you. But at the end of the day... They're moments. They're not who we are. They're opportunities for God to work in us and His glory be seen by how we handle those situations. This passage here, verse 6, we'll go back to that. Verse 6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. I love, I love Paul's wording here. Paul's always very specific, and I love, I love that about, about you know, studying you know, the things that he writes, you know, such as the word received. Look at that. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Uh, the walk in him, we're going to get to that here in just a minute, but the received part, let's start there. You know, we receive Christ as our Savior. What, let's, well, okay, big deal. whoop de do. Chris, what, what's the big deal? Why are you making a big deal out of received? Think, think about it. Think about the word received. Does, does the word receive sound anything like earned? No. No. It doesn't sound anything like earned. We don't, we don't earn our salvation. Man, I got I to tell you, some of, the, some of the folks that I was with here the last few days, 
and I don't know if it's because I was the knucklehead of the class, and I probably was, uh, or what, but by yesterday afternoon, I got to have one gospel conversation after another. And when I, when I say gospel conversation, I'm talking about people, first of all, it's people trying to figure me out, which is fine. Uh, and I, and I, I, use, I usually enjoy that a little too much. Uh, but I got, I got into a conversation yesterday while this lady's getting coffee, and I'm just out there getting a napkin because I don't drink coffee, you know, or whatever. And, and she stops me, and she doesn't live too far away from here. And she's, she's interested in, you know, some things that I've said. She's heard me say some things during the class. And she's like, tell me about your church. And so, and so we have this conversation. And by the way, I love this lady. She's awesome. She's, she's my kind of people. But the conversation ends in this, this, well, I say ends, it goes into this whole thing that I, I've, I've been in many of these conversations, but usually we don't get to go to the gospel quite as fast as we got to in this conversation, where basically she just starts rattling off, well, the church that I know of and Christianity I know of is like this, 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 and this. And she rattles off this legalistic picture of if you don't do this, if you don't do that, then you're going to hell. I'm standing there, there's a bunch of people standing around talking to, and I mean, I just like start the gospel, you know? And, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to call BS on everything that you just said about what Christianity is, and I can tell you're questioning it anyway. So I'm only saying that out loud to confirm in you that is not correct. And I said specifically, that is not the gospel. And here is the gospel. And had this amazing opportunity to share Jesus right there. And, and this, this lady, like she's, she's tense. And she's like listening and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds better than what I've been hearing, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, I know, Right. And she's like, why are people so caught up? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. So in thinking about that, you know, one of the things that I talked about with her was, you know, we can't earn what Jesus did for us. It's a gift that is given to us, and we can receive it. See it there? Verse 6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So walk in Him could also be said as so live in Him. So live in Him. Paul is challenging us of what that looks like for us to live in Him. In fact, he, he goes on right here and, and he paints the picture. He starts painting the picture by talking about walking, living in him in verse 7 it goes on it says rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving now this is this is paul giving us the keys to something as he's about to teach what to watch out for he's giving us the keys of how to stay away from it okay and he's doing that really not just for this passage, but for the sections to come. So we're kind of we're being able to get them right back to back right here in the weeks ahead as we study through this. I'll probably be referring back to this some because we see this picture 
of what Paul is saying. He's like, you know, yeah, don't fall. You know, I'm jumping ahead here. We're going to talk about it in just a minute where he's saying, you know, don't fall captive to, you know, these philosophies and, you know, empty deceits and false teaching and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and here Paul is basically giving us what to do to keep that from happening. What's he give us to do? He says, so walk or live in him, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You're like, okay, well, I don't really know what any of that means. Let's just, let's just look, take, take a look at it. So to live in him, to walk in him, and then rooted, rooted and built up in him. Let's talk about two things, rooted and built up in him. Rooted, what's rooted? Trees are rooted, right? Trees are rooted. Think about that for just a minute. What's Paul saying? He's saying be rooted in the gospel. Be rooted in the truth. This is, this is why it's so important for Paul to write this letter. We already know the background. We've talked about so much. If you haven't been with us uh, over the last several weeks or whatever of, of the beginning of Colossians and why Paul was writing this letter and you know, that there were people kind of being led astray, and we're, that's kind of a theme. We're seeing that throughout uh, the book here. But he writes this to this church at Colossae that's struggling with these things. And, and so he's so concerned. The main concern he has is that they're going to get off on something other than what? Jesus. He wants them to understand there is only one, and it is Jesus. There's only one. And it is Jesus. And so he says here, be rooted and built up, what? In him. In who? In Jesus. Be rooted like a tree in Jesus. Be built up like what? What's something that's built up? How about a house? I mean, if we want to be really cool, we could talk about hot rods. Some of y'all won't get the hot rods illustration, so we'll just talk about houses. Be rooted in Jesus and be built up in Jesus. When you build up a house, my parents are in the process of building a house right now. Eventually, we're supposed to do the same thing with them on some property that they got and all this kind of stuff because we got seven kids in a three-bedroom house, and you do the math. So, um, And yes, I know it's my fault, okay? So just whatever. We, we love them. We love, all, we love all of that. So, yeah. So, rooted in him and built up in him is this like understanding that everything about our foundation is in Jesus. And if everything in our foundation is in Jesus, just as you were established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, that, that will be us. That will be us. Paul is painting a quick picture, just a quick picture. It's, it's three little pigs, right? Remember three little pigs? Remember in the 90s when that band Green Jello came out and they had their own little three little pigs song? I know you know. Eric Quinlan, talk to me. I've got that CD. We should, have, we should have had that ready to go today. You'll be playing that after the service is over with, I guarantee you. Three little pigs, you know, huff and puff, blow the house down and the whole thing, you know, and, and you know, and finally what? You got, you got somebody that finally built a house, you know, not, on, not with sticks, not with sand, you know, they finally built it with bricks and all this, right? We, we get the understanding of what Paul is saying here 
And that he's saying, have your foundation be in Christ alone. There is only one. Let's move to verse 8. Verse 8, it says this. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. This, this verse right here has quite a few things, and I want to look at several of them. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. There's really two things there I want to talk about. Uh, the captive uh, piece there, the, the word that's being used there is uh, honestly a really rare word that you find in the Greek New Testament that's not used a lot. Uh, but it means uh, you know, to plunder, uh, to rob, to kidnap, to pluck from the flock, okay? And so it's, it's a verb that, you know, he's, 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 he's using this on purpose that people will understand that they are to be a part of this body of believers, that this is their, part of their calling to be the church. Now, uh, if you're new here, I'll just go ahead and say it because all of our people are probably sick to death of hearing it. Uh, but we're called to be the church, not go to church. We are the church, not buildings. Buildings are not churches, okay? I know, I know that's very opposite of what everybody thinks. And, you know, well, I saw your church is doing this, you know. And, you know, and yeah, our, our, the body of believers, yeah, we are doing that. They're like, oh, well, you know, that, yeah, see, they're building onto the church. Well, they're building onto the building of the church, you know, for the church. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, semantics to some degree. Uh, but this understanding that we are called to be a part of this body of Christ, that not only are we called to be a part of it, that it's the bride of Jesus. It's the bride of Jesus. Our Savior loves the church so much that He gave His life for her. And He's calling us to be a part of it. And that's hard sometimes. Why is that hard sometimes? Because the church is full of what? Sinners. That's right. The church is full of sinners. Here's the beautiful thing about that. Is that the church being full of sinners gives us ample opportunity for us to exercise the grace in which Christ has exercised for us for one another. Guess what? Somebody, if this is not your church, let's say you're visiting today, that's fine. Thank you for visiting with us today. We're glad you're here. If you are a part of a church, somebody in that church is going to let you down. Somebody in that church is going to let you down. And it's going to be hard for you at times in your life to go, you know, oh, I can't, I don't even want to be a part of that anymore because there's, you know, people there that do bad things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, Chris, it's not supposed to be that way. Everybody at church is supposed to be perfect. I can't even say it without even laughing, right? Have you met these people that you're sitting with? They're <laughs> so far from perfection is right here, right now, okay? At the same time, though, at the same time, before I beat you up too bad, before I beat us up too bad, at the same time, the beautiful part is, of this is that we are saved, and when we've been saved, for those who have believed and trusted in Jesus, not only have we been saved from our sin, but we have actually been made saints. So yes, we are sinners, but something that I don't think we celebrate enough is that we've been made saints. In the eyes of the Father, 
when he sees us after we've received Jesus. Did you hear me use it there? After we've received Jesus as our Savior, trusted Him, believed in Him, He saved us, that from that moment on, we've been made saints in the eyes of God the Father. See to it that no one takes you captive. Don't be plundered, okay? I love the plundering because I love the pirates, right? And if you don't love pirates, I don't know what to tell you. See to it that no one takes you captive. And then, and then, and then here's, where, here's where Paul is getting after some of these things that have been voiced to him by Epaphroditus and these you know, the folks that have come you know, and said, hey, this is going on at the church, and we're concerned, we're not sure what to do. And he says, by philosophy and empty deceit. By the way, when he says philosophy here, he's not talking about Socrates, and you know, he's, not, he's, not, he's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about general philosophies. He's talking about like, you know, this guy's got a philosophy on this. This guy's got a philosophy on that. I was talking with my friends last night for just a second about one of our other friends who has a conspiracy for like everything. You have one of those friends? Apparently some of you do. And man, are they fun to hang out with. Sometimes, you know, it's like sometimes it's like after a while, it's like, all right, we've had three hours of the conspiracies. I think I'm going to go home now and go back to real life, you know, um, the thing that we see here that Paul is doing is he's saying, please, please, watch your faith. Watch what you believe. Watch who you trust. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Human tradition. Paul is taking a jab right here. Paul's taking a jab. Human tradition his jab here is really at Judaism. He's, and and, and you'll, you'll see Paul do that throughout this. And, and you know, he doesn't ever say, and Epaphrodite, we don't have Epaphroditus, what Epaphroditus actually said to Paul exactly, but we, I mean, we have like little bits and things, but none of it like points and calls anyone just straight out, but the truth is, is that there's this nonstop like throughout the thing, read between the lines, I'm saying don't fall into... Judaism, don't let them like try to lure you back with something that you would fall right back into this whole buying into the law and having to keep the records of rights and wrongs and the legalism and all that stuff. But that terminology, human tradition, he borrowed that from, from them. And it's talking about passing down teaching. Passing down teaching. He says, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. He's saying those things are not of Christ. Only one. And his name is Jesus. Verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. I mean, that's a message series all by itself. And I've got like no note for that whatsoever. I just like looked at that and was like, oh man, like that's, that's, such a big, that's such a big piece. And we've been talking about that already because it's already been mentioned. Uh, but it's worth seeing it again. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In other words, if you ever wondered if anywhere in Scripture it actually just straight up says that Jesus is God himself in the flesh, that's it. 
amongst other places. But here's one of them. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. It goes on in verse 10 and it says, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Paul is saying here that Jesus is the head. And when he says that he's the head, he's giving him, he's saying he's got full authority over all things. In fact, he says, who is the head of all rule and authority. So Jesus is the rule and Jesus is the authority over the rule and over the authority. You see, you see that? I mean, he's like, it's like trump card, trump card. Like, oh, oh, you got somebody, you got somebody making some rules over there? Oh, great. Here's Jesus. He's the king of that. Oh, oh, you're talking about the person. You think the person is great. You think they're they're fantastic. Okay, he's he's also the king of them. He's the king of all. There's only one. Jesus. Authority over all, rule over all. And, and, and listen, here's, here's a little piece, here's a little tidbit of knowledge that you wouldn't know unless you just did a little studying. This was really good news for the people at this church that were getting this message at Colossae. I mean, and here's why. Is that there were, there were a bunch of these people, and maybe you're in this boat, I don't know, but there was a bunch of the people at that church at that time who were like literally worried to death in fear. You hear that word I'm using? In fear of like the demonic realm. Maybe you're one of those people. And, and listen, I, I, one of the things that I think we don't probably talk about enough sometimes is spiritual warfare. And that it's a reality and all those things. But, the, but, here's, but here's the truth too. Let me, let me say that and say this. Jesus still has rule and authority over all of it. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. We, we do not need to live in fear of a demonic realm. Bless you, little baby. It's too cute not to say bless you. So. But we do not need to have fear over a demonic realm when we belong to the creator and savior of the world who has rule and authority over all those things. Do you think that he came to save us? That we might fall prey to those awful things in this world? Can we go seeking that stuff and get ourselves hurt? Yeah, I think you can. But did he not free us? That song we sang just a minute ago, I never noticed one line in it. It's amazing how like you'll sing a song like 50 times and then all of a sudden you see one line and it's like, Ooh, that's good. And it was ransomed the slave. Ransomed the slave. Jesus ransomed the slave. You get that? That's us. You're like, Chris, I'm no slave. What are you talking about? We, before we knew Jesus, were slaves to our own sin. When you trust in Jesus to be your Savior, He not only frees you from death, He not only gives you eternal life, He 
frees you from the slavery of your own sin, that suddenly, and this will be news to somebody in the room, I guarantee you, that He frees you from all of those things that Satan wants you to believe that you could never be free from. That little sin that you hide away that nobody really knows about or you think they don't or whatever it is, you know, that, that little sin or the big one or whatever you got going on, you think you're sizing them up because that's what we do even though we shouldn't. Those things, we are free from those things in Jesus. He has set us free from those things in Jesus, which is why as Christians, we can't make excuses of like, well, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. I'm sorry, I'm a little moody. That's just who I am. I'm sorry, I'm not nice. That's just who I am. Of course, you're a sinner. Maybe we could conduct ourselves like saints. I'm not saying we will all the time. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect. Of course we're not. But here's what happens. is As we pursue Jesus, as we do what Paul was talking about in verses 6 and 7, walking in Him, living in Him, rooting ourselves in Him, building ourselves up in Him, establishing ourselves in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Guess what happens? As we grow closer to Jesus, we change. We change. Who we are changes. Our reactions to things change. But if we just go for the fire insurance, just to call ourselves Christians and make us feel good about ourselves, chances are the change won't be complete in us. And then we'll find ourselves going, well, that's just who I am. I can't change. That's just who I am. Mm-hmm. What about the fruit of the Spirit? Go look up the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have time for me to teach it. Go look that up today. If that's where you are right now, just, just go look that up today on your own and ask yourself, is that me? Am, am, I, am I struggling with some of these things? And, and here's the thing. It's not, it's not that we can do these things on our own. It's that Christ can do them in us. It will be a result of seeking Him and growing in Him, being rooted in Him, living in Him, being built up in Him, that we will change. And no longer will we go, well, that's just who I am. Instead, we'll say, well, that's who I was. And then Jesus saved me. And I began to grow in Him. And He began to change my heart. And He began to make me a new creation because He wanted to work through me to use me for His kingdom while I live here because it is not just about fire insurance. Verse 11. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision that was made without hands, but putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Jesus makes up all of those things like circumcision that was in the law. You got to be circumcised to be, you know. There were, there were people that, you know, at a point were, you know, thinking that to, to convert, you know, to, to follow God because, you know, they were finding out these law, this law later in life. 
they were thinking that they, had to, they would have to go be circumcised. Grown men going and being circumcised. No thanks. And, and here is, here's part of that legalistic law piece. And, and Paul's using metaphors here, okay? Let's just understand that. But, but as he's saying this, what he's saying is like, Jesus fulfills all that. we got to see that. Again, it's not about exactly what I was talking to that lady by the coffee pot yesterday. It's not about what we can do. It's about what he's done for us. He makes it possible for us to be saved, to be made complete, to find joy, to have peace, all the things. Verse 12, I could keep talking about it. I don't have time. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. So, Paul's continuing on that statement of, you know, Jesus, Jesus is the one that fulfills the law, not us. We can't keep it. We're not good with rules, right? We know this, right? But he continues this in this statement, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So, It'd be easy, and I want to talk for just a second about actual physical baptism. But the truth here is I really believe Paul is talking about a spiritual baptism in which not necessarily the thing that we see on Sunday mornings a lot of times. You know, that is a, that's, a, that's a public profession of faith. That's a reaction to an action of something that's already happened in, our, in someone's heart. You know, if they're going to be baptized, what they're saying is, I've already followed the Lord. He's already saved me. The act of going through the water is not what saves us. But we understand that what Christ did when we trust in Him, that we've been baptized with Him in death, that He defeated death on our behalf and defeated our old lives, right? Defeated our old lives that we would be made new. So again, that we can't just go, let's just who I am. But instead are able to say, this is who God has made me. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. Baptism, and, and, and let's just talk for just a second about physical baptism because it's a great chance just to talk about it for a minute. We celebrate baptism here. Uh, if you've never been baptized, well, first of all, again, it's a, it's a reaction to something that's already happened in your life that you've trusted Jesus and it's an opportunity for us to show the symbol of this death of an old life and beginning of a new which has maybe already happened in your life, I hope. But it's also this picture of Christ who died and rose again and it's making this public. It's what we call a public profession. It's, it's letting the world know. I used to joke all the time about how, you know, modern day baptisms maybe should be that we, you know, when somebody wants to be baptized, we just, we just pay for the front page of the paper, the local paper, and we're just like, here's our baptisms for the week. Here's our people being baptized this week, and, and we're putting them on the paper. But there is something special to the 
act of getting to celebrate baptism with people. If, and again, if you've never been baptized and you know Jesus, or maybe, maybe you got baptized when you were a kid, I had, a, I had another conversation, so many conversations the last few days, about uh, somebody talked to me about infant baptism. And I got, I got to explain like the Greek New Testament by baptizo and what it means to merge and all this kind of stuff. And they're just looking at me and they're like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. I'm like, I know, right? So, but if, if maybe, maybe you were baptized as a kid and maybe you didn't know Jesus then. Maybe later in life you've come to know Jesus. We're going to baptize somebody in a couple weeks that's in that boat. I can't wait. You're like, well, Chris, I'll, you know, when, when can we be baptized? When can we do that? Anytime. Just name it. Name it. We would love to do it. Come talk to us about it. Come see us after service. We'll talk with you about it. I want to read this one passage. I'm going to close. Romans 6, 1 through 5. I couldn't couldn't read this other passage and not read this. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in in sin that grace may may abound? I'm I'm going to read that again. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know all that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we cert- we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. If you have never trusted in Jesus to be your savior, let me be the person to maybe tell you for the first time that it's not about what you have to bring to the table. It's not. You don't, you don't have enough good works, and neither do I. It's about receiving a gift. It's about believing that God the Father sent His Son to die in our place, took the death that we deserve for our sin, to ransom, pay for the slave, me and you, to make us free, to give us forgiveness. I mean, how how huge is that for us today? That what God has done for us, we couldn't do for ourselves. But we can receive it. We can take the gift. And He wants us to do that. And in doing so, He changes us. Do we go on living in sin? No, no. Romans 6, 1, 2, right there. We We don't go on living in sin because if we're truly changed, we don't want to. Not because we're trying to keep the records. We're just trying to be rooted in the only one there is, Jesus Christ. This morning, I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that we, we as a church family, we love you. I don't care where, I don't care where, where you've been in life. I don't care what you've done. Uh, we love you. We celebrate God changing people's lives. We relish in it. like We love it. And if God's doing that in your life, man, we'd love to know about it. If you want to talk to somebody about it, we'll be down here. Be glad to talk with you about it. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for 
your word today. God, as we move into a time of remembering the sacrifice that you made through your son, God, I, I pray that in these next few moments, Lord, that you would just remind us continually, Lord, of how great you are and how in need we are of you. God, may we lean in on you. May we trust in you. God, thank you for the work that you've done for us that we could not do for ourselves. And God, I pray that you would be glorified in our lives. God, I pray for anyone listening to this that has not trusted in you, believed in you. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would do that. God, work in their lives. Save them as you have saved me. God, I didn't deserve it. God, you give it freely because you love to do that with your grace. Thank you for Jesus. We ask all of this in his name. Amen.